Let me pray for us once more before we look at God's word together. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you have given us your word, and you've given us this opportunity this morning to consider your word. So we pray that you would speak to us personally and powerfully, that your spirit would uh, impress upon our hearts what it is you would have us to hear, and that you would change us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, let me congratulate you. Congratulations. You have made it through the most wonderful time of the year, the time of year where we wish one another a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, when we extend to one another glad tidings of comfort and joy. And I do hope that in these past few weeks, you have found much joy. Perhaps even now as you enter into the new year, you have hopes for more joy, Maybe you've even resolved this coming year to be more joyful. Well, I wonder, where is it that you search for joy? What is it that brings you joy? Do you find joy in your relationships? Perhaps in your accomplishments? Maybe in the things that you are recognized for, the things that you have collected and and gathered around yourself. Where is it that you find joy? Well, our passage this morning reveals to us a trustworthy place to find joy. It's a joy that is for now and forever. Our passage this morning is Matthew 13, starting in verse 44 to verse 50. So I invite you to turn there with me now, Matthew 13, 44 to 50. That's page number 8 to 19 in your pew Bibles. And if you do not have a Bible of your own, each week we do offer for you to take that home with you and to look at it. Consider what it is that God would have to say to you about himself and you are standing before him. Well, in our passage, Jesus is talking with his disciples about the kingdom of heaven. Throughout the book of Matthew, there has been much discussion and much instruction about the kingdom. And the people of Israel have been anticipating a king, a Messiah, one who would rescue them from Roman oppression and rule, and one who would rule over them as king. But there is much mystery about this kingdom, because the kingdom that Jesus is describing is not this political kingdom that the people had come to expect. Rather, it's an messianic kingdom, one in which Jesus was about to inaugurate. So in chapters 11 and 12 of Matthew, we read of different ways that people are responding to Jesus' teaching. Some embrace Jesus as the Messiah. Others are not sure what to think. And still others reject Jesus as the Messiah altogether. In Matthew 13, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of heaven, and he uses seven different parables. Now already last fall, last semester, we spent some time in the parables of Matthew. We've considered those first four together. And this morning we come to the last three parables where the kingdom is compared to a hidden treasure, a pearl, and a net. Let's read our passage together, Matthew 13, beginning in verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a, a, the kingdom of heaven, verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. 
Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The main idea I want us to see in this passage and in our sermon this morning is this. Those who find the kingdom of heaven find joy now and forever. Those who find the kingdom of heaven find joy now and forever. And from that main idea, we'll have our two points for our sermon, those of you who are taking notes. First, find joy in the kingdom of heaven today. And second, find joy in the kingdom of heaven on the last day. So first, find joy in the kingdom of heaven today. Let me read for us those first two parables once more. Verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So these first two parables are teaching us of the value of the kingdom. The kingdom is of great value. In verse 44, it is compared to a treasure. And in verse 46, to a pearl of great value. Now, there's lots of similarities in these two parables, but I do want to start with a difference between them. Now, both in the, the first parable, the treasure is found and, and the pearl is found, but the way in which they are found is different. The man in the first parable seems to almost stumble upon it whereas the merchant in the second parable is searching for the fine pearl. I've had the experience of being a teacher for a number of years. Before I was a pastor, I was a teacher, and I was teaching in, in Virginia, and had this experience where I walked into the faculty workroom and reached my hand up to the, the mailbox with my name, and there I discovered an envelope addressed to me with $1,000 in cash. That was unexpected. I wasn't searching for that money. It did bring a certain sense of, of joy, I will say. I've also had a less joyful experience, and that is being parked on a hill, and a large dump truck is in front of me and slowly rolls back as his brakes go out, and he slams into my car. I have an insurance appraiser come and assess the value of the damage to my car, and then I wait for that check to come in the mail. That check of about $1,000, I am looking for it. I am anticipating it. I am I'm waiting for it to arrive. And finally, it does. A sense of relief and a sense of great joy. I was eagerly expecting that check. So in the first experience, I was not looking for money. In the second, I was eagerly expecting it, and I came upon it in different ways. 
I, I highlight that to point out that so it is with the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is discovered in different ways. As you hear stories, testimonies of how people come to faith in Jesus, you will learn that some have stumbled upon the name of Jesus, while others were actively seeking after him. So let me encourage you, perhaps you will use some time this afternoon with other members of this church, to hear the testimonies of how God has saved them, whether that's this afternoon or in this coming week. Take time to hear how God has saved his people. You will find that some of us were happily living life with little or no regard or thought for God, while you will find others of us who were earnestly seeking after and inquiring of God, and others of us still somewhere in between in our consideration of God. Well, whatever the difference is in how each of us has found the kingdom, you will discover there is joy in finding the kingdom. And that's clearly illustrated in this parable. You'll notice that the man and the merchant respond in similar ways to finding, to discovering this finding. The man, upon finding the, the treasure hidden in the field, he covers it up and in his joy goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And likewise, the merchant, upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all he had and bought that pearl. Both the man and the merchant discerned that their finding was of great value, and immediately they took action to acquire what they had found. They were willing and, and joyful and happy to give up all that they had once had in order to acquire what they had now discovered. They knew something of the value of what they had found. Well, what about you? Have you discovered the value of the kingdom? Have you recognized the value of the kingdom? How have you taken hold of the kingdom? And what would you do well to let go of in order to hold fast to the kingdom? Many of you will be familiar with, with Jim Elliott. He's famous for saying, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And as I encouraged you earlier in speaking to members of this church, you'll hear similar stories from one another. Some of you have chosen to end immoral dating relationships. Some of you have not pursued the possibility of dating a non-Christian, knowing that you are seeking to be faithful to God and his commands because you have found this pearl of great price. Some of you in following Jesus and finding the kingdom, you have been alienated from family and from friends because of your faith. Maybe if you would discard the kingdom altogether, you would find more friends. Some of you have, have left a job that has hindered your ability to live faithfully in this life with integrity before our king. And others of you, you have sacrificed personal ambitions to seek after the kingdom of God. That's what some of you have done as we turn to a new year. Perhaps you're considering what it would look like to hold fast to the kingdom. 
What is it that God might be calling you to leave? What is it that he might be calling you to hold fast to? This past week had a conversation with a member of the church who's considering maybe leaving the country to serve on the mission field. Maybe that's something the Lord would be impressing upon your heart and mind as a way you could advance the kingdom. Another recent conversation with a member and thinking about purity, living a refraining from sexual temptation and having discussion there about what it would look like to cast off these things that hinder his ability to follow Christ so that he would be pure in heart, that he would see the joy of the kingdom. Or maybe God is calling you to to stay, to remain in the situation that you are in. Maybe it's a situation you have desired that would change. You have found it to be difficult or uncomfortable. Things are outside of your control. Things are not as you would choose. And yet God has placed you there. But you have a joy in where he has placed you as you find joy in the kingdom. Let me encourage each one of us to hold fast to the value of the kingdom. As we find it, let us hold fast to it. There's great value in the kingdom. There's great value in the work that the king is doing in us. There is joy in seeking first his kingdom, joy that is increasing. So I mentioned, where is it that you find joy? I think it's important to recognize that joy is is a good motivator. It's a good thing to be motivated by joy. We see that that joy animated the the action of the man and the merchant in this parable. I think we also know that that joy is part of what motivated our Lord Jesus Christ. It says in Hebrews that, that, that the Lord, he endured the cross. He despised its shame for the joy that was set before him. That joy was that the people of God would be would find the kingdom of God, would be found amongst the kingdom of God. We see the Lord as well. He was motivated by joy when he gave up everything so that God's people may enter into the kingdom. He left heaven, perfect communion with the Father, in the presence of the Father. He emptied himself, we're told, in Philippians. He took on the form of man, He cast off all, and then he died on the cross. But then he rose from the dead, and he was later exalted. He has ascended to heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, so that you and I can also sit at the right hand of the Father, so that you and I can know the joy of the kingdom. Joy is a motivator for obedience, and we see joy was a motivator even for Christ, obeying to the point of death. So it is with the kingdom of heaven. As we find it, we find something that is of great value and that brings us great joy. So as a church, let let me help us in thinking a little bit of how we apply this. In finding the kingdom, where is it that we can also seek after joy? Well, first, let us celebrate God's kindness in showing us the kingdom. 
So if you are a Christian here this morning, God in his kindness has caused you to find the kingdom. And through faith in Christ, you are now part of that kingdom. So there's, there's joy in, in finding, in, in seeing the kingdom of heaven. So let us remember and celebrate the joy of our salvation. And then we ourselves, having seen the kingdom, let us seek first the kingdom. Let's continue to seek after the kingdom. Dave even alluded to this in, in his pastoral prayer, that we would set our minds on things above, where Christ is, seated in the heavenly places. Let us exchange the earthly values for kingdom values. As well, let us pray that God's kingdom would come. There's joy in seeing God's kingdom purposes and seeing his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One other, let us seek the kingdom of heaven and not grow weary in doing good. We continue to serve and to sacrifice for the sake of the kingdom because there is joy in investing in the kingdom of heaven. So we ourselves see the kingdom, we seek after the kingdom. Let us finally, as well, help others to seek after the kingdom. Let us help others to, to see the king of heaven. So let us share with one another the gospel. Let us share with one another about the kingdom. And let us enjoy, know the joy of seeing others join the kingdom. So for a moment here, if you're a non-Christian, I'd like to address you and say, I'm so thankful that you are here. You're welcome here any week, any time that we gather as a church for worship. And I would encourage you to take this opportunity to seek after the king, to find the kingdom. Maybe you're here because you are searching. You're searching for something and, and perhaps you don't even know what. Let me encourage you to either speak with a friend that you came with or just look around and after the service, speak with someone who's near to you, who's sitting close by. You will find that you are surrounded by people who have found joy in the kingdom of heaven. So let us, friends, find joy in the kingdom today, and we will find that that joy lasts until the last day and every day after that. So secondly, let us find joy in the kingdom of heaven on the last day. Let me read again for us that third parable, Matthew 13, beginning in verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So in this third parable, we learn of the high standards of the kingdom. In verse 7, the, the kingdom of heaven, it, it's compared to this net, this dragnet that is thrown into the sea. And when it, is, it, it gathers fish, and when it is full, it's drawn in. The good are separated from the bad. The good fish are kept. The bad are thrown away. And Jesus tells us that this is a picture of the kingdom of heaven on the last day, at the end of the age, 
there will be a time of, of judgment. Now, I want us to notice a couple things. One, I want us to notice that, that this, this judgment, it, it is sweeping. So as you look at verse 47, you see that the net gathers fish of every kind. And in verse 48, it collects fish until the net is full. So it is with the kingdom of heaven. You'll notice that and the kingdom of heaven will extend to every kind of people, and it will be composed of every tribe, tongue, and nation. And as well, you will notice that all in time will come to face the king, will be judged. And that judgment is based on the condition the condition that the king has, has set out. Look at the parable once more. You'll see the fish, they're sorted, they're separated. This separation is not based upon the kind of fish, but it's based on the condition of the fish. It's the good that are kept, the bad that are tossed, whether, based on whether or not they meet a necessary standard. So maybe some of you are, uh, like to go fishing. I'm, I'm not a, a fisherman myself. Um, so I'd be no expert on exactly what you're looking for or what these uh, uh, men, these disciples, many of them fishermen, would have been looking for in keeping a fish and acknowledging it, recognizing it as good or, or as bad. But I suspect you do take into account the, the size of the fish or the overall look of the fish. And you might even recognize that this is a bass or a trout or, or a pike. But at the end of the day, these fishermen only see two kinds of fish. They only see two kinds. They see the good fish, and they see the bad fish. And once again, so it will be at the time of judgment, so it will be with the kingdom of heaven. Now, this is not popular, but this is the words of Jesus. And he is telling us that the kingdom of heaven will not be made of every person. Every person will face judgment, but not every person will be kept for the kingdom. Every person will be judged and be determined to be of one kind or another, will be determined to be either evil or righteous. Also not popular is the description of where the righteous, the wicked, are placed. Our passage says the wicked are placed in a, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, where there is a fiery furnace. Once again, this, these are the words of Jesus. These are, these are serious words and words for you and I to take seriously this morning. Well, where is all the joy in this? Where's all the joy in this? I'm a little surprised to hear these are the words of, of Jesus. Wasn't he a nice person? Wasn't he kind to people? Surely if I'm a nice person, a kind person, I too will be included in his kingdom. 
Where is all the joy in this? Well, we mentioned that the kingdom has a very high standard. And the standard that, that Jesus sets for entrance into the kingdom is righteousness. It is the righteous that are kept in this parable. The, the trouble is that the scriptures tell us none of us are righteous. Not a single one. Yet God has made us to be in relationship with him. We have rejected him. We are unable to meet his standard to be in his presence. So once again, where is the joy? Well, the, the joy is that, that God sent his son, Jesus. God sent his G son, Jesus, to die for sinners who would turn from their sin and would trust in Christ. God sent his son, Jesus, to be the righteous one. He is the righteous one. So that those of us who place our faith in him will be counted as righteous. We will be counted among the righteous. There we see some of the joy. Because for the righteous, there is an opposite place that awaits. If the wicked are cast to this fiery furnace, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, the righteous are placed in the presence of the king, in the kingdom, where there is comfort, where there is joy, where there is peace, and where there is fellowship with God. Friends, there are two kinds of people when it comes to judgment who will be sent to two different places. The righteous will be in the presence of the king. And in the kingdom of heaven, there will only be the righteous who will always be with the righteous one. And in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So this is the, the joy of the kingdom that we would enjoy now and forever. That we would enjoy today, on the last day, and every day thereafter. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you that your kingdom has come and it can be found. Father, you have revealed the kingdom to your people. We pray that those who have not found the king would see him, that you would reveal yourself to those who do not know you. And Father, for each one of us, we pray that we would count as loss the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as our Lord. That we would count as loss the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.